0: Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show.
1: Classic
0: hits. On a regular basis, I like to talk to interesting people. And one man I had the pleasure of talking to recently and I invited him onto the show is Michael Walsh. Michael is an American music critic, author, screenwriter, media critic, cultural, political consultant. Uh, And also he has six critically acclaimed novels as well as a TV hit movie. He's a lifetime member of the Writers Guild of America. Very familiar with Donald Trump because he's been on American television so many times talking about him. And he also has a new book out called The Last Stand, which I'm going to talk to him about as well. Michael Walsh, good afternoon or good evening to you. Good afternoon. Your time. How are you? I'm Grand Nile. Thank you so much for having me on. I have to say, what an interesting career you've had. I mean, you have written probably for every publication uh, at this stage of your career. I mean, you've written, I mean, the New York Times, you've written, or you've written really for Vanity Fair. Mind you, there was one I was quite interested was Playboy. I mean, what what did you write in Playboy, Michael?
1: Well, just one of the articles, which is why people read Playboy, as you right. know now. Okay, Smithsonian
0: no. Magazine, uh, The New York Times, Vanity Fair. I mean, you have a long career. I mean, and obviously, you have a huge interest in Donald Trump. And i got to start with that before I get into your career for writing. I mean, it's a big day, of course. Georgia voters went out, braved the snow and the chill, turned out in their masses on Tuesday uh, today uh, to vote for one of the, I suppose, most expensive elections in U.S. history and all eyes of the nation are now trained on Georgia for two hugely impactful uh, runoff races that will determine which party controls the Senate. I mean, which way do you think that's going to go?
1: Uh, I think given the the uh, trend line here in the American election system, it will probably go to the Democrats. They, they really uh, have the wind at their backs right now. Uh, Georgia is a state that has moved far from its sort of uh, deliverance redneck associations it's quite an urban state right now uh, atlanta is a big very important city uh... it's kind of the capital of the south and so it's a it's a place the democrats have set their caps for for quite a while they need to turn some of those big southern states from republican to democrat such as Georgia, and of course, their big prize would be Texas. But uh, it's, I mean, it's the be re- I mean, the
0: reason this is so important, of course, it's going to determine whether Biden would be able to push through tax hikes, uh, the Green Deal, and also to, I suppose, revamp Obamacare. So basically to undo everything that Donald Trump has done, uh, Biden really has to get this.
1: Yes, that's correct. I mean, under the American system, if the president has both the House of Representatives and the Senate uh, in control by his own party, it's much easier, easier for him to push legislation through. And the, the Democrats clearly want to undo all of the things the Trump administration did, just as the Trump administration undid a lot of things the Obama administration
0: did. Well, Obama did. didn't do a huge amount of fairness to him, really, did he? I mean, let's be clear about it. Obamacare was about the height of it. I mean, don't get it me wrong, a charismatic man he was. But, but my personal opinion, I don't know about yours, I believe he was probably one of the worst pres- presidents America's had.
1: Well, uh, leaving that aside for the moment, he did get Obamacare through and, and the Republicans were unable to overturn it. It's still been chopped up and it, it's uh, effectively nugatory right now, although it's still a thorn in many people's side. But uh, the late Senator John McCain, who was uh, one of the worst senators in American history, was the one who put the spike in the republicans attempt to overturn obamacare we 're in a kind of Roman civil War period here in the United States right now, so mm. one one guy gets up and then he gets knocked off, and the next guy comes up he gets knocked off and it's going to go on this way for a while. It's a very, very divided country right now. As,
0: a, as an, an American-Irish, because you're American-Irish, I, I know you have two homes, essentially. You're in Connecticut tonight, but you live in Clare as well. Uh, and That's, that's right. your That's your connection with Ireland. You've got family there. But uh, in saying that... You know, you have a huge interest in Donald Trump. Um, And, I mean, Donald Trump, there's mixed reactions. He he is kind of very like Marmite. You either hate him or you love him. And, (laughs) I I mean, a lot of people will say he's delusional. Even I, as a bit of a fan of Donald Trump, have said by times, God, he didn't really say that, did he? I mean, he was a very unconventional president, wasn't he?
1: Well, I would say this. For the conservatives in the United States, he was an imperfect vessel for achieving some of the things the conservative movement has long claimed it wanted to achieve. So you have to take the good with the bad, the unpredictable with the predictable. Uh, Was he a transformational president? Yes, in many ways he was. Uh, This assumes that he's not going to be inaugurated on January We'll
0: come to that in a second, some of the theories that are floating around at the moment. But I think it's probably a given that he's going to be the last man standing, by the way.
1: Oh, yes. Well, uh, Trump is going to continue to have an uh, incredible effect on American politics, even uh, should he uh, not be re-inaugurated later this month. Uh, He's he's a contentious, polarizing figure in a country that's extremely polarized. And we are as close to we are in a cold civil war, as I termed it 10 years ago, and that's a statement of mine that's been lifted by many, many other writers here in the States. Uh, but uh, we are edging towards a hot civil war, which is something that nobody, nobody wants. wants. And no, obviously, of Ireland's been through that. The Americans went through it in 1861. Uh, it's it's an ugly, ugly way to talk. Well, solve I, I it.
0: only said that to somebody recently, particularly when we saw the scenes uh, from Black Lives Matter, um, and you know, and I said I felt that America was heading towards civil war because sometimes multiculturalism can cause problems and we all know that people sometimes just don't get on with each other but in relation to Donald Trump's um, I suppose his defeat he won't accept it as a defeat but uh, obviously other people in America do accept it's a defeat do you believe that Black Lives Matter, COVID-19, was that his downfall, his handling of COVID-19? And then in the midst of all that, you had, of course, these riots all over America. Was that his downfall?
1: Yes, I think so, because a year ago, the the economy was soaring. We had the lowest unemployment rate uh, ever for black and Hispanic Americans. Uh, People had money in their pockets. The tax system had been reformed. And then along came the Wuhan flu. And I think no oh, the, the, matter what the he China did,
0: China flu, as he calls the, it, chi-
1: the, the China flu. yes. Yeah. no matter what he did, I think it was a lose lose proposition for him. I know a lot of uh, folks in 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 the British Isles and in Europe think, well, Trump mishandled it. Actually, that's not true. He closed down China almost immediately and was called
0: a racist for doing. And so. was called
1: a racist. And Nancy Pelosi went down to Chinatown in San Francisco and said, "Come on down, everything's safe." The same thing happened in New York City. So they will, they needed a big club to beat him with and COVID did it. Uh, and I think he overreacted to what strikes me still as a very, very minor threat to your life given that it has a 99.97% survival rate. Uh, and for this, he... Well, that's we that's depending, them, uh, of
0: course, the, the percentage you're given are depending on the age groups that you happen to be talking about as well, as well in fairness. Uh, I mean, yeah, but, uh, but at the time, of course, Joe Biden was one of the ones who referred to what he did by uh, blocking Asian people from coming to America at the very early stages of COVID. This has gone back to the start of March, end of February. Uh, Joe Biden was the one who actually said that it was a racist move.
1: Yes, well... Uh, Joe Biden only says what people tell him to say. So it's, it's very important to understand. When you look at Joe Biden, you're looking at a ventriloquist dummy that uh, is being operated by the Democratic National Committee. Uh, and should he be inaugurated on January 20th, you can look for President Kamala Harris, Harris, Around about January 22nd. That's, that's my, <laughs> After he's wheeled off to kid. the
0: sunshine home.
1: Yeah. Okay, but, uh, He doesn't even know where he is at this point, so it won't matter to him.
0: Yeah, he doesn't seem too up to the job, to be honest with you. I, I don't, I, he was literally just a figurehead to get Kamala in, and I think everybody realizes that at this stage. But in relation to what you say, if, when you use the word if, a lot of the Biden supporters would say, Michael, come on, you're starting to sound like Trump. You're clutching at straws here. It's over. It's done. He needs to just go. He's got to be put, dragged out the door, literally, if he doesn't go. I um, mean, is there, really, Trump, is there really any hope?
1: Oh, that, that Trump will, will somehow stay as president? Yeah. I, I think not. I mean, it'll all be over effectively tomorrow. Uh, once the vice president opens the electoral college votes and they're recorded, uh Biden will have won. Now that's not the real question though. The real question is was the election conducted according to the United States Constitution? And the answer to that question is in the six states or so uh, that proved to be the difference, uh, the answer is no. That the law was changed by gubernatorial fiat, by court order, when only the state legislature under the Constitution has the uh power, has the plenary power to uh, decide how state-run elections are conducted. Uh, something that m- might interest uh, all of my friends and family in Ireland is there is no right for an American citizen to vote for the president of the United States in the Constitution.
0: None. Explain that to me. Yeah, I know. It seems kind that, that seems like, quite a bizarre statement. So like, explain that to me.
1: Right. Well. It, Uh, The way it works is that the state legislatures in the 50 different states uh, select the group of electors, which they apportioned according to the number of representatives they have in the Congress, uh, on their own. Now, they can do that any way they want. I mean, they can do it in a a locked room with cigars, or they can open it up to a popular election. As it's evolved, we have uh, 48 states, effectively, in which it is a completely open popular election and then the the electors are bound by the popular will but there is no right to vote uh, in the american constitution for uh, president there was also no right to vote for senators for many years up until about nineteen thirteen when they changed the rule but u s senators were also selected by the state legislature the american constitution is about not having mob rule not having a popular vote So when the Democrats whine all the time about how Hillary won the popular vote, None of that really matters, legally speaking.
0: No, of course. And, and somebody texted in, and rightly so. Trump gets got over 12 million more votes than 2016. He received more votes than any Republican candidate, a Republican, Republican candidate ever. Um, and the Republicans gained seats in the House of Representatives, plus hold onto the Senate. Uh, he goes on and on and tells you a lot more about it. Now, to move away from Trump, by the way, j- just in relation to Trump very quickly, if Trump yeah. had a, um, been successful... Uh, how do you think America would be different over the next four years? And what do you believe is going to change with either Joe Biden or Kamala Harris as president? What 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 do you think is going to be different?
1: Uh, <clears throat> I think that the Trump administration, the MAGA, so Make America Great Again slogan, uh, was very good for America and was very much needed at the time. Uh, the left in this country wants to push the country more towards a European model in which there's a central authority that dictates how everybody should live under the american system we are a federation of fifty sovereign states allegedly uh... who make their own rules but came together at the time of the formation of the country of the thirteen colonies uh... to agree to work collaboratively so we're not a nation like england or france or germany uh, laterally uh... Mm. in the nineteenth century that's ruled from a central place The Democrats want it to be, and so they've been moving it in that direction for quite some time. The Republicans, as pathetic and awful and inept a political party as they actually are, uh, are trying to maintain some semblance of the founding. So what you have is a a fight between the people who want to live the Constitution as it was written and as it's been modified over the years, and people who want to radically change everything. Remember Obama said fundamental transformation of the country is about to begin. And that's the civil war we're having right now.
0: And at one stage, actually, that became so serious, the, the movement of the left, which kind of started on the West Coast, that California even suggested putting a border on California. I don't know how that would have ever worked out, but that's how serious they were about that at one stage. So without Trump being there and the left, essentially the Democrats and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris now going in, the differences are going to be in relation to, obviously, tax hikes um, will be brought in, obviously, to, to deal with the cost of COVID-19. The cost of COVID-19 in America has been absolutely astronomical, as it has been around the world, by the way, $16 trillion. Right. And that money has to come from somewhere. And the poor taxpayer in America, who's had a few quid extra in his pocket over the last few years because of Trump, is now going to have it taken back off him again.
1: Yeah, well, it's also important to understand that uh, under the American income tax system, uh, only about 50% of the people pay federal income taxes. The other 50% mooch off the 50% that are actually paying the taxes. And the Democrats want to make, uh, they want to increase taxes, they want to roll back the Trump tax increases, but they want to make that percentage of taxpayers ever smaller uh, and make the, the the tax getters ever larger. For example, in California, which is, is practically terminal right now, uh, something like 2% of the taxpayers in California pay 90% of the California budget. Uh, this is clearly unsustainable, but that is the so-called blue state model that the Democrats would like to see for the country as a whole.
0: Oh, why. Okay, now getting back to, I suppose, what is the biggest story around at the moment, apart from Donald Trump, um, would be COVID 19. Uh, how are America dealing with it? I and, mean, of course, Donald Trump was discouraging people from wearing masks, more or less, discouraging people from locking down and discouraging governors around the country from telling their citizens to lock down. Um, I mean, what is it like state by state in general at the moment? Is there lockdowns? Is there restrictions? Are people wearing masks or, you know, or is is that something that's really just really affecting Europe more so than America?
1: No, no, it's, it's happening all over the country. And it's at a very important point, this mask thing. Uh, whether you think masks work or don't, and the medical evidence seems to be that they don't, uh, it has become a political statement. So if you are a lefty, you wear a mask. You point at people who don't wear masks. You scream at them. You take pictures of them. This is rapidly spinning out of control here in the United States. If you're a conservative, you tend to not want to wear a muzzle. We don't call them masks. You call it's them muzzles. Uh, Mind
0: you, the lefties will point to scientific observations that say they work, uh, whereas the right will point to scientific studies over the last few years before COVID came along to say that they don't work. So
1: I suppose there's there's a jury on it, isn't there? Oh, yes. And some states are open completely. For example, Florida, which has a Republican governor and has been tilting Republican the last few election cycles, is, is almost entirely open. Remember, yeah, they, well, again, they redacted,
0: they brought in legislation to restrict movement. And then only recently, when I say recently, going back a couple of months ago, they redacted all that legislation, didn't they? So now people can move freely, go out and about, and they don't have to wear masks if they don't want to. But yeah, I have seen videos up. where they are wearing them.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. The, 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 uh, some people, can, if you want to wear a mask, you can, but they're not mandatory in Florida mm-hmm. in, in, in most of that state, whereas states like uh, New York State, and I'm very close to the New York State border here, uh, is, is almost entirely in lockdown. California, which has the highest COVID, is the most lockdown state in the country. So you have a free state of Florida with a relatively small number of COVID infections compared to California, which is the most brutally Lockdown state, and it has COVID out of control. So clearly, there's still some work to be done on the scientific aspects
0: of it and, and how are the people? I mean, when I look across Europe at the moment, and are, well, like, can I can only speak for Ireland. There does seem to be a bit of a resistance and a bit of a pushback now. People are getting a little bit tired of it, complacent, a little bit, you know. Well, really and truly, is it that bad? Should we not just go out there and you know and let it get on with itself? And hopefully, the vaccines will help things out a little bit but in america i mean are the people and americans are normally quite patriotic and they stand up for their rights because liberty is their, is the number one thing over there i mean are they not standing up and saying this is ridiculous we don't want to wear masks we don't want to be locked in our homes why are you doing this
1: yeah well americans not as truculent as they used to be and and there's we have an expression here maybe it's true in ireland too something called irish democracy where you you say uh, you know to your british overlord yes sir boss of course you, you betcha and then you don't do it uh... so the whole idea of giving lip service to a law and then disobey, disobeying it uh... is is quite a powerful element as you know in irish history so I, mm-hmm. I, I i have noticed that among some of my irish friends and family as well that they think the whole thing is ridiculous. And now I think we're looking at more lockdowns uh, in Ireland. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, well, I, I, and there's the question. I mean, the Irish people have always been ones to stand up, particularly during the water charges, income tax uh, protests, all those things throughout the years. And yet, with COVID-19, they seem very compliant. Why Why do you think that is? Is it because they're scared to death? Or is it because the media have spun this completely so out of control that people are terrified not to listen to it?
1: Uh, I think it's both of those things. I think uh, many people, and, and, and I say this uh, uh, with some trepidation, especially women, are terrified of this COVID thing. Uh, so you, 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 you be- believe
0: this is gender-based? You believe that women, uh, yes. uh, women are more terrified than men? I probably wouldn't disagree with you when I talk to my own group of uh, friends and what have you. You're probably right.
1: No, I think so. We have a term here called Karens. They're, they're, they are the women who are not only wearing... Visors, my partner. Well,
0: my By the way, my partner wouldn't be too pleased with that. Her name, her oh, name, okay. her well, name we'll... is Karen, but uh, and she gets yeah. well.
1: <laughs> so I don't mean to offend all Karens. but uh, <laughs> I, know I actually had a little run-in with the Karen the other day in the in the market where I was putting my wearing my face shield and putting my groceries on the conveyor, and she thought I was standing too close to her, and that I mean it's just the length of the of the checkout conveyor, and then she started complaining and. Uh, and things escalated from there, shall we say.
0: Yeah. And what, uh, what, but, what did this particular Karen say to you?
1: Oh, she thought I was standing too close to her. Let me get to this. This is actually the heart of the matter. We're teaching people that their fellow man is radioactive, that he's spewing death in their face 24-7. And the only way for you to survive is to hide under the bedclothes. For the rest of your life, but it, but, it's, but, it, but is but is that not
0: that. what we're being told? I mean, if we listen to NEFIS, who are our health advice agency here in Ireland, um, right? And and you know Tony Holohan, who is the the chief medical officer, who is head of NEFIS in the UK, it's Sage. In other countries, they have different departments. I'm not too sure what the, what's the name of the health department in America. I, I, I can't think of the name of the department. Oh,
1: we don't. Well, we have. Uh, I don't know. We don't have a national health. Donald department. Donald Trump but probably. We do have, okay, you <laughs> probably don't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so Tony Holohan uh, last night, or I think it was the night before, said. You have to treat everybody as if they have COVID-19. If you have any symptoms, because they, they don't have the capacity to test as many people at the moment, if you have any symptoms, a cough, a cold, or any kind of flu-like symptoms, or any cold-like symptoms, you most likely have COVID. Not you might have. You most likely have COVID-19, and you must treat everybody around you as if they have COVID-19. That's what we're told to do.
1: Well, well is that a world you want to live in?
0: Well, that's not There's a world no. I want to live that in, personally, no.
1: No, of course not, because we are free men and women. Uh, uh, I, I don't think that NIFID has any legal authority in Ireland. I could well, be wrong. They're un- no, well, they're unelected.
0: They're there to advise government, and then government bring in the legislation based and don't seem to question them, uh, bring right. in legislation based on them and what they say. I, I think
1: it's inhuman. I think it's anti-human. Uh, the, the idea that if you have a cold in, in December and January, which is what we used to call flu season, uh, of course you have a cold in December and January. It's what we call flu season. Uh, the fact that... that uh, they've now equated cases with certain deaths, which is how they're terrifying the population. Uh, the only reason the case well, is... I mean, it, it
0: is fair to say, Michael, that the, the COVID-19 virus itself is quite dangerous for those who are elderly, I suppose, and those who well, may have true. comorbidities.
1: Yes. Now, I was in Ireland most of this year, and uh, when it first struck... The, the, the average age or even the median age was something like 85 people who had, had died of COVID. That's and right. Clearly, yep. uh, well, I'm over 70 myself, so I suppose I'm in the high-risk category, but I'm not going to live my life uh, as if I'm about to die if I encounter my fellow man on the street. I okay. just think that's no way to live.
0: And so, where do you think this is going to go? I mean, it, it, at one stage, going back in March, when uh, Leo Varadkar stood on TV as Taoiseach actually from the uh, from a podium in Washington, because he was visiting Donald Trump at the time, and and he stood for Paddy's Day, as far as I remember, and he stood there mm-hmm. live from Washington RT News and told everybody that's it, this is serious, this is the real deal. We all have to lock down. Um, You're not to go to work, you're not to go anywhere, schools are closed. But don't worry about it, folks. It'll only be for two weeks. Here we are now, nine months later, well, almost a year later now, and we're still doing the same thing. And it's actually getting worse. We're bringing in, uh, you know, as and from uh, this week, we brought in level five. They're looking at more restrictions. It doesn't look like this has any ending. So where do you think the end is going to be?
1: It's only 15 days to slow the spread so we're good right we only have 15 more days to go <laughs> uh, uh ad infinitum look now they're going they've got a new strain this will never end nile if you give any politician irish russian chinese american uh unlimited power they will take it and they will now find an excuse. Oh, it's a new strain of COVID. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Oh, oh, China just uh, another bat just dropped dead. So now we've all got to panic again. Meanwhile, China's wide open. If you saw the New Year's Eve pictures at Wuhan, they were all partying. Nobody's yep. wearing a mask in Wuhan.
0: No, this is madness. So, but but you're saying it's madness. I agree it's madness. I believe the restrictions and lockdowns, there was uh, research and I, I read it out from a paper today in the United States. I think it was, um, it could have been from Massachusetts University. They've done research that possibly 890,000 people will die in the next 15 years as a direct result of restrictions and lockdowns. Um, these are uh, uncalculable deaths uh, or incalculable deaths in relation to people who may have become obese over that time or may have a shorter right. life. You know, it's very difficult to calculate. It. It's a model I suppose. Uh, people who have not been diagnosed with early cancers. So 890,000 people in the United States will die over the next 15 years because of lockdowns directly, not of COVID-19. So where do you start? How do the, the people get through to the government and say, listen, we accept there's a virus, we accept it's a health issue, but we also want to take our own chances and say, well, you know, we're human beings, where most of us are healthy and under the age of sixty-five, and we're not really as much a risk as somebody who's older, and those people you should be protecting as a government because that's your job. How do we? How do we? How do we get across that to the government? Because they're not listening to anybody.
1: No, well, the way you do it is to vote them out, but it's very, very difficult. That's going to take another
0: five years.
1: Well, especially under the Irish electoral system, which is. As 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 you know, I don't have to tell you is is practically unique in the in the world, except for Malta, I believe is the only other country that that uses that kind of switching and swapping and moving moving votes around. So what you end up with is a kind of uniparty that it runs the country. Now I, Americans should talk. The Republicans and the Democrats is not a dime's worth of distance uh, of difference between them either. I I don't know what the answer is. What what I can say is here in the United States. 8,000 people a week die, period. That rarely changes, and it didn't change last year. The number of total deaths in the United States, I think was around 3 million, didn't change. It's just they're now allocated slightly differently in bureaucratic bookkeeping terms. But if COVID had a massive uh, uh Death spike in the U.S. It's not reflected uh, in the okay. I I
0: haven't looked at the American excess deaths figures, but obviously we're being told that over 300,000 people so far have died of COVID-19. Or sorry, let me reword that, died with COVID-19. Right. So are you saying, because I haven't looked at the excess deaths, so I'm trusting your figures in this, are you saying that there hasn't been more excess deaths this year? Or would that be unfair to say that there probably has been because realistically COVID-19 as a virus is dangerous to those who would be in care homes and it really has ravaged care homes?
1: Well, the only figures I've seen have shown the death toll is relatively the same and there has not been a spike. Now, again, there's, you know, lies and uh, damned lies and statistics, as Mark Twain famously said. So the answer is, I don't know. And it's very hard now to find on the Internet. Answer to a simple question: How many excess deaths were there in 2019 in any given place? Uh, that's a figure they don't seem to want people to find very easily for some reason. But
0: well, Google has become quite difficult to navigate now because no matter what you put in now, uh, you will get something that basically has its own narrative um, in relation to COVID nineteen. As COVID nineteen is the first thing that comes up, and it's usually uh, from somebody pushing a certain agenda. Well, either way, on either side. Okay, in relation to your your latest book. Um, yes. And I'll come back to COVID in a second. The last stand. Well, maybe Maybe this is directly related to COVID, I suppose. And I'm looking, it says, a philosophical and spiritual defense of the pre-modern world, of a tra- the tragic view of physical courage and uh, masculinity as self-sacrifice in an age when those ancient virtues are too often uh, caricatured and dismissed. In other words, are you saying that we're trying to vilify masculinity?
1: Yes, uh, well, they are trying. They call it toxic masculinity. Well, and- they do, don't they? Yes, they do. Uh, And what I've done now in this book, Last Stands, is to take battles from Thermopylae, which is the Spartans against the Persians, uh, uh, right through history and right up to the Marine Corps, the United States Marine Corps, uh, at the Chosen Reservoir, which was 70 years ago right now. And that was of special interest to me because my father was a young uh, first lieutenant and was at the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir. So from my last chapter of the book, I have an actual living survivor of a last stand. In other words, they were surrounded. There was no chance for them. They had to fight their way out or die to the last man. And the Marines fought their way out. Uh, but in some of the battles I discuss, uh, everyone gets killed. And yet, in a way, they win because very often that that side ends up winning the larger war. And I think we've, we've diminished the role of men in society. Uh, we've denigrated it which is even worse and this book which has become a wild bestseller here in the united states and just went on sale in amazon uk over the weekend uh... is speaking to the frustrated people who are tired of hearing uh... masculinity slagged off and and want to read stories
0: and um, why do you, why do you think? I mean, f- feminism obviously is a very uh, obviously popular movement at the moment. And um, by the way, I'm all for equal rights, equal opportunity, equal pay. Uh, everybody, be you man or woman, should get the same pay for the same job for the same hours. Everybody agrees with that. But why why do you think suddenly we have this hatred of masculinity? We don't have a hatred of femininity. We don't call it toxic femininity, even though there is toxic femininity out there. But we don't ever refer to it as that. No. Is, it, is it because throughout time, they will argue, women will argue particularly, that men have been the rulers, men made the decisions, men caused the wars, men wanted the borders, uh, you know, that men were the, always the ones involved in fighting?
1: Well, the women should ask themselves, why is that? Was it a conspiracy? Uh, did, did the Romans decide they didn't want their women fighting in the legions because they didn't like women? No, they thought that because they wouldn't be very good fighting in the legions. And furthermore, the Roman attitude towards masculinity was men fight and women stay home and raise the children. Now, if you don't like that paradigm, that's fine. You don't have to live it. Uh, But it's not some kind of gigantic caveman conspiracy that has resonated down the ages. In other words, every time you see something you don't like, this is the parable of Chesterton's fence. They come across a fence and they say, let's tear it down. And the other guy says, wait a minute, let's find out why it's there first before we tear it down. When you start monkeying with the essentials of society, very bad things can happen. And, and one of the reasons I wrote this book is to remind people that there is a reason that men fight. And, and it's very complex and it's a, it's a long book, but I think it, it needed to well, be I said. Mean, and, I mean,
0: if we go back in time, did men, I suppose, a lot of the fighting was to protect women. Uh, a lot of the yeah. time, and protect their honor. Uh, and it was also, I suppose, to protect their borders and their territory.
1: And to protect their children. Now, that's very important because the, the preservation of the family line has been crucial throughout cultures from time immemorial. Uh, but one, one of the things I found writing this book is that in extremists, when men are fighting, they fight for each other. Uh, they don't even fight for their own personal survival. They fight for the guy next to them. Uh, and introducing women into combat zones complicates a great deal. So uh, it's one of the reasons that uh, while I'm in favor of women in the armed forces, I'm not necessarily in favor of them uh, in, in combat zones.
0: Okay, so you don't like to see women in the trenches?
1: I, I don't think it's, it's, it's... The dynamic is not good, and we found... When, uh, you say that, when you say that the
0: dynamic is not good, and I know there's many listening at the moment, women who will say, how dare you say something like yes. that? This is the That's year, right. tw- this is the, oh, we always hear that cliche, this is the year 2020, well, 2021, sorry, uh, the year 2021. And, you know, women are quite capable of being in the trenches and running up and down the hill with a gun in their hand.
1: Uh, well, I would say the evidence is, is actually to the contrary. And we, you know, we don't even have time to, in this brief conversation to go into the, the many, many details about that. Uh, but it is what it is, and we have it, and we have to make the best of it. Now, and what, what about these- what about
0: women in the fire service, women in the army, women in the police force? Um, do you think those jobs are not really suitable for women?
1: It depends. I think some of them, some of these, look, there's a certain elemental, as they say in Casablanca, the fundamental things apply. Men are bigger, stronger, faster than women. They just are. Generally, not every yes. man is, it, but in general that's one of the differences between men also take chances uh men die much younger men go into professions that are deadly uh they don't go into caring sharing nurturing professions just in general i mean you know the feminists are always so upset when they say my little girl wants to play with barbie dolls and she doesn't want to play with with you know a squirt gun uh and what what did i do wrong and the answer is nothing that's just nature So I think uh, a vive la différence attitude uh, is much better than trying to shoehorn every sex into one
0: gender. Before you go, by the way, the book is called The Last Stands. Uh, It's on uh, Amazon.co.uk if you want to grab it. Uh, Although it is selling out very quickly. It's sold out in America already. And it's a great read. But in the meantime, if I was to ask you one last question before you finish, where do you see the world in a year's time?
1: Whew, boy, you know, I always say uh, I would I would uh, uh, if I could tell the future, I would I would be at the track. So um, <laughs> betting on the horses, uh, I think uh, I think it'll be pretty much the same. I'm, I think we'll still be dealing with covid lockdowns if we're not actually dealing with covid itself. I think these principles need to be argued. Uh, I think politically we have to decide what kind of societies do we want to be. Uh, and I think we should understand the essential nature of people that never changes. And I think my work as a historian has taught me that over the years. The ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans were exactly the same as we are.
0: Well, i tell you, Michael, you're a very interesting man to talk to, and I'm sure I'll talk to you a lot more, by the way. A very interesting man to talk to. And by the way, once again, the book is called The Last Stands. It's available on amazon.co.uk and on your favorite bookstores, I'm sure, as well. Listen, Michael Walsh, I appreciate you coming on the air tonight, and thank you very much indeed.
1: Thank you.